Amen. It's good to see everyone this morning. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Tell them you're in the right place to hear the living word. A word that will change your life. Amen. We are genuinely excited to be with you this morning. Uh, We have had a great time. I'm very excited to see uh, what the Lord is doing in Valdosta. As Pastor Mark said, we've been with the uh, initial uh, home church in St. Augustine, the mother church, no, uh, since 2004. And we have seen some great and wonderful things. And I'm excited because um, this is a beginning church. Amen. And Pastor Earl, the senior pastor, always says, you know, you can call yourself a beginning church for at least five years. So we're just a little over the three-year mark, so we're still beginning. We're never a small church, we're a beginning church. And every single person, you are not here by accident this morning. Uh, This is a divine visitation. And so be ready to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. And if you're, I understand, talking to Pastor Mark, uh, Valdosta on 75, we get a lot of guests coming through. And sometimes just thank God. Uh, for believers being committed to the local body church. And uh, sometimes, he's, I think he said about four guests are just on their way to Disney, coming north, going south, and they just pulled them up on the web. And they came. I th- I'm thankful uh, for believers that believe. <laughs> God's thankful for believers that believe. And will actually still come to church, even on vacation, even in the midst of travels. But I said all that to say this. If you're, if you're in uh, Valdosta as a resident, You want to get connected to what God's doing here in this city through this vision. Amen. I want to introduce my lovely wife of 13 years, uh, Angie, and uh, she's been truly a blessing. And uh, marriage keeps on getting better, and it has been like heaven on earth. It really, really, really has. And I'm very, 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 very thankful for my uh, helpmeet in life. So I'm I'm glad to see Kenny and Sophia. They are actually from our St. Augustine campus, uh, and they came up to hear Pastor Mark preach this morning, so they're going to have to come back on another weekend, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you're making a commitment to that, but obviously Bradley and Priscilla being here, they can come back anytime, amen? Well, let's just go Lord in prayer, and then we'll get launched into what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Father God, we just thank you for... Uh, The Holy Spirit, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the blood that is on the mercy seat, Father. I thank you that we have new life in you, Father. And uh, Lord, I just thank you the best is yet to come. I thank you for equipping and positioning the body of Christ, growing us up, Lord. And I thank you that we truly have hearts to reach this community, uh, hearts to reach the world, to really, truly make disciples of all nations, Father. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your benefits in your kingdom. And, Lord, I just want you to have your way this morning. You get all the glory. You get all the honor, Lord. If anything good is said, it's because you say it. So, Holy Spirit, breathe upon these words this morning, Father. Have your way. We are surrendered and consecrated to you, Father. And we just want to be vessels of honor. You fill the vessels up with the substance, Lord. Just use us. Use us. Use us, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Glory to God. Uh, I want to give you one quote real quick from Donald G. He was called the great apostle of balance. He passed away in 1966. He was born in 1891. 
But this gentleman was really used in the body of Christ, and he made a statement that has just impacted me. And I just want to I want to bring it to you: the importance of being connected to a local body church. Obviously, in Ephesians chapter four, uh, the fivefold ministry is outlined. And uh, right after they list the fivefold ministry, he said, "This is the reason the fivefold ministry was given to equip the saints." So every time you come to a service on a Sunday, every time you come on a Wednesday, guess what? You're getting supplied. You're getting furnished. Uh, you're getting truth. You're getting impartation. Some things are taught. Some things are caught. And when you come and you're around the Word of God, around, around other believers, uh, you know, good things will happen in your walk and your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and a combination, I also want to bring this up. You can't just go to church and not have devotional reading. You can't just have devotional reading and not go to church. I'll say it again. You can't just have devotional reading and not go to church, and you can't just go to church and not have devotional time. Um, you want to make sure there's a combination of both that's going to equip you for this journey that God's got you on. And God has a plan for every person in this room. He has a definite will for your life. And uh, I was just sharing uh, another quote by this gentleman, Donald G. I just got done reading a book by him, and he said, uh, The sovereignty of God will make sure that his will gets done in the earth, whether the vessel is willing or not. But the vessel, if he's in obedience, great. But if he's in disobedience, he's going to miss, uh, miss the great and rich joy of doing God's plan through them in the earth. So whether you're on board or not, God's got a plan for everybody in this room. And if you said, Lord, I'm lined up with your plan, I'm in your destiny, you're going to experience the rich joy and the rich pleasure of working, co-laboring together with God in this walk that he has with you. Uh, this quote, though, it says... Um, he was specifically referring to the fivefold ministry. He said that um, the fivefold ministry is given so that there be steady growth within the walls of the church. Steady growth within. And then he, he combined that with her powerful witness without. So when you come, this is Sunday is a day to get charged. A lot of people are going to work on Monday. You need some charging before you go out into the into the harvest field. Amen. And then on Wednesday nights, obviously, is the hump day. You know, you get to come, you get a fellowship, you get to connect and hear the word of God on Wednesdays. And that's going to that's going to place within your spirit, man, um, truth, impartation. That's going to help you grow and be stretched, be stretched, be stretched. And then it's going to help you be a powerful witness without these walls, because you realize that there's a, a lost and a dying world out there that's living in darkness. And we as salt and light have the answer to all of their problems. Hallelujah. Now, at Anchor Faith Church, I ran some statistics, and um, uh, I'll probably end with this. We'll see how the Lord flows. But back in 2012, 2012, we had 197 first-time guests come through our doors. That actually filled out the We Welcome You card. That's what we use to measure if you're a first-time guest. In 2013, we had 242 guests come through our doors at Anchor Faith Church. And in 2014, uh, this was as July 31st. I don't have updated statistics from August, but we've had 159 guests come through our doors. Our database that we've kept has over 2,900 people that have came through Anchor Faith Church since the conception of our church. Now, here's the the statistics that I want to get to you. Because nothing's changed. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing's changed. Even though we live in a social media and a a technologically advanced society, this one aspect has never uh, changed. Relationships. 
We relate in a different way, but relationships are still vital for every person. God has not called you to be isolated. I like the quote, the banana that gets away from the bunch is the one that gets peeled. So there's something about sticking together, staying together as a body of Christ, because it takes all of us working together to really ignite this city, impact this nation, and influence this world. Now, in these statistics, over the last two years, I just compiled, compiled some data. I was wondering, curious, in my role with Anchor Faith Church as an associate pastor doing some administration, I was wondering, how do people actually hear about the church? And we, on our We Welcome You card, we have uh, different things they can mark to let us know how they heard about it. And um, the amazing thing, and it's a very cons- consistent statistic, over 50% in those two years heard because of word of mouth. Word of mouth. We have a we have a little uh, a check box at the bottom of our list of how did you hear about the church, and it says other. And a lot of people just check, check the other mark. And I, I notice a pattern that some of them are blank, but a lot of them just said a friend invited me in that slot or a family member or a, a co-worker invited me to church. So the other statistic was at about 14% in 2014, 13% in 2013. So of those others, I'm curious, the ones that didn't mark exactly how they got to the church, how many of those probably heard from somebody else? And get this, the website, uh, this was our third biggest uh, way of advertising, was only 4% consistently both years. I'm telling you this because, listen, I, w- I used to be in car sales. I am a Christian. When I graduated Rama Bible Church or Trading Center in 2000, uh, I knew I needed to get a job. I was working at Walmart that time. I knew that uh, when I asked Angie, man, that was great faith to marry a man that's working at Walmart. That was great faith, making a whopping, you know, $8.50 per hour. And she stepped out because she heard the Lord. <laughs> and I heard the Lord. <laughs> But I, I knew I needed to do something because as a men, we're called to be providers. And I knew there's a spiritual provision. I know there's emotional provision. But I also know there's financial provision that needs to take place. So I ended up going to a, a, a work for a car dealer named Bobby Nelson in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And this guy is a spirit-filled Christian. And he really does love the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a really different atmosphere. I mean, to me, that's a pretty good testimony and miracle that you got an owner of a of a, of a uh, a business that's normally not very well, uh, you know, liked in society, the stress of buying a car. So, anyways, that being said, the, the website was 4%, but it, it's just the connection that we have with people. And for this beginning church to continue to grow, you need to ask yourself, what is my part to play? I need to come, I need to get fed for steady growth with him, but I need to have powerful witness without because the truth that I'm getting, the benefit it's having in my life, this journey that I'm on, uh, it's not self-contained. Uh, some of the greatest joy is giving and not receiving. And when I was selling cars, one of the reasons they bring new car salespeople in is because they realize that they, get, they know about seven or nine people that they'll automatically just get in the doors to at least look at their product. That's one of the reasons they hire new salespeople is just... And, and sales is a very, I mean, it's, it's a high turnover industry. It's a very stressful job. If you, do, if you do not like getting rejected, you do not want to sell cars because you hear no a lot, and, uh, and it could be very intimidating. 
But they get you in there as a new person. Why? Because they know when a new person comes in, there's other people around them that they know. They'll just come through for the opportunity. And actually, that's how they sell some of their product, just getting new salespeople. Well, you in your community in Valdosta, who's around you that you can touch on a daily basis? Who's around you that you can connect with? Because relationship will never change. It will never change. It will never change. There's, there's somebody that you know. There's a, there's a neighbor. There's a coworker. There's a friend. Uh, there's a family member that you could reach out and say, listen, it's important to be connected for this walk that you have with the Lord. Or they may not know the Lord. And you know what? You can win them outside and bring them inside so they could be equipped and they could be trained up. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to the book of uh, Acts. This will be where we launch from this morning. Acts chapter 1. Amen. Look at your neighbor. I like getting interaction, so I know it gets weird sometimes looking at your neighbor. I'm just teasing because, you know, there's some husbands and wives in here. Okay. (laughs) And look at them and say, what are you doing for the next 30 years? Look at the one on the other side and say, what are you doing for the next 30 years? This is how long it took the book of Acts to be written. In the historical data, this was a process of 30 years opening up on the day of Pentecost, culminating with uh, the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 28 uh, in prison. But it really brings me, and it should bring all of us, into the reality that this is not a trial run. This is not a test. We only get one shot at this life, living it for the Lord. We need to be serious about the vision that God has put into us. Uh, The Bible says without a vision, people run wild. And do you think the United States is running wild? Why? Because people have no vision. They have no vision they all they see is one day at a time. They don't see 30 years down the road. Therefore, they make dumb mistakes that cost them, trip them up, keep them in the same habits, the same besetting sins, the same weights for 30 years. We need to break out of that mold. One of the ways you're going to break out of that mold is truth, obviously. But you need to get a vision within your life that drives you, that motivates you, that fuels you on a daily basis. So we need to have vision. Acts chapter one, obviously, is the launching uh, into the new dispensation, this New Testament, which we now live in. And Luke, the beloved physician, the first medical missionary in the New Testament, writes this. And, of course, as a doctor, he's very detailed in what he's saying. But he says this. He says, opening up in verse number one, he said, The former treatise I have made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. All that he began This is a beginning church. Began both to do and to teach, to do and to teach, to do and to teach until until the day in which he was taken up. This tells me that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was a visionary and was motivated by the passion of what God the Father called him to do until the day, till the time that he took his last breath. On that cross, he ran with purpose. He ran with intensity. He ran with knowing this is what the Father's will is for me. And he said, I'm going to do this up until. 
And we need to have that attitude as believers. This is not, this is not a, a five-year thing. This is not a ten-year thing. This is something that we do for our lifetime until we are taken out of this earth. This is something that we do. After he was taken up through the Holy Ghost, he gave commandments unto his apostles whom he had chosen. Now, God gives commandments, not invitations. I can give you an invitation to my little girl, Abby or Chloe's birthday party, and you can either accept that or decline that. But a commandment, you either obey or you disobey. And so we want to be in obedience to what God says. Verse number three said, to whom also, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit, giving commandments, and that Jesus shows himself alive after, I like this verse, after his passion. After his passion. Now, I'm reading now the King James. They have the new King James up, but the King James, which you know is the version that Jesus actually used. Okay, I'm just teasing. The authorized version. That was a joke. All right. But it says after his passion. I like passion better than sufferings because suffering, can, you can go through suffering because of your passion. But really, the words are synonymous. I like how the King James phrased it. After his passion, he was passionate about what God had called him to do. Are you passionate to do what God has called you to do in this community? Why don't you turn to your neighbor again and say, are you passionate to do what God has assigned to you? And it goes on by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together, being assembled together. There's something about the united corporate time that we have in a setting like this. They were assembled together that allows God to move greater than just in your individual life. God is a personal God, but there's only some things you're going to get in assembly that you can't get at the house. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. I want to stop right there. There is a lot going on that is set up for the end times. And I personally believe, and we would not be online to say, we are closer than ever to the return of Jesus Christ with the blood moons, with everything that's happened in Israel, with the vacuum of leadership. Because you understand when the Antichrist comes, there's going to be a great vacuum of leadership and that there's going to be a leader that rises up to try to unify people. Uh, but that being said, we don't need to be guessing about the times. The Bible uh, commands us to be busy and to be watchful until he comes. So they're asking, Lord, like a lot of Christians are probably asking, are you coming? And he said the same thing he's saying today. He said back then, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. Be aware of them, but don't get over inundated or get over meditated on the end times. We can we can know the season. But he said, don't try to do something that's that's futile that you'll never figure out. Because he said, no man, no man will know the end time, the day that Jesus comes back. But, verse number 8, but, that's a conjunction which cancels out everything that was previously said. 
He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me say it one time. You're going to receive power through the Holy Spirit so that you can be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Four areas he wants us to impact. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world or of the earth. The first thing, though, before being launched out to affect those four areas, he said, you need to receive power. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the equipping, the anointing, and the empowering work of the Spirit of God within your life. He said, before you do anything else, you need to be baptized with him. John 14, John 16 talks about he's the spirit of truth. He's going to call things to your remembrance. He's going to guide you into truth. He's going to show you things to come. He affects the past, the present, and the future. He's a great God to have in this earth. And he's in our, he lives within us. And he guides us on a daily basis. Matter of fact, Romans 8 says that, you know, as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, these are the sons of God. But Jesus will never call you to do anything that he hasn't equipped you to do. And he said, you need the Holy Spirit. After you get the Holy Spirit, I want you to affect these four areas. And he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. I want to back up real quick, look at Acts 1-3, because I talked about the passion of Jesus. I'm going to read this from a few different translations. The Amplified says it this way. To them also he showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering in the garden and on the cross by a series of many convincing demonstrations unquestionable evidences and infallible proofs appearing to them during 40 days and talking to them about the things of the kingdom of God. The Wycliffe translation says it like this, to whom Jesus showed himself alive after his passion by many arguments, appearing to them 40 days and speaking of the realm of God. Jesus was passionate in his pursuit of what God called him to do. Jesus was passionate in his pursuit of what God called him to do. It fueled him. As it fueled him, it should fuel us. What has God called us to do individually? That passion should fuel us. John 4.34 says it this way from the Living Bible. Uh, Jesus is out, and this is in Samaria. And he's talking to a lady at the well. And he was hungry. The disciples went to go try to meet that natural need. They came back, and he said, I'm good now. Before they brought the food to him, he said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. The King James says, Jesus said to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was passionate about doing the work of the father in the earth. In John 9, 4, Jesus said this, I must, I must, I'm compelled, I'm motivated to do the works of him that sent me while it is day. The message says it like this. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me. Working while the sun shines. The New Living Translation says this. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. 
Jesus was passionate about the purpose. And what a great model for us to say we want to do like our Lord did. We want to be passionate. Our meat comes from doing his will. We just came off of, uh, you know, two days of talking about by design, about the man's role, the woman's role, the husband's role, the wife's role, the parents, the father, the mother. That's a passion that should be in all of us. Is to be excited, man. We have we have opportunities every day as, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a man, as a male to do our purpose in the earth. We need to be energetic. We need to be quick to carry out the tasks that are assigned to us. We know in Acts 10:38 that Jesus said, uh, I'm sorry, Luke said through the Holy Spirit how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. See, God will never call you to do anything he didn't do. And he said it's important that you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. Hallelujah. Passion is contagious. Passion will sustain you during difficult times. Jesus went through many trials and tribulations, but his meat, his purpose His energy was to do the will of the Father, and that passion sustained him during difficult times. Over in the Gospel of John, it said he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. His passion to do the Father's will didn't didn't let him allow somebody that didn't receive him to get him off course. Don't let people get you off course what God has called you to do. Passion gives people hope. And, And your presence in this community gives this community hope. Hope is confident expectation for favorable change. Every time you show up in passion, you're a person that can present hope to this community. And we live really in a, in a world that doesn't have a lot of hope. And I wholeheartedly believe that because of TV and these other media outlets, we've really lost the ability to dream about things, to create things, to use these resources that God has put on the inside of us to really make a difference in society and humanity. But passion gives people hope. And when you bring passion to your assignment, it will bring hope around you. Passion brings intensity to life. What drives you to get up in the morning? What fuels you to get up in the morning? Passion will cause you to live on purpose. You either live by design or you live by default. And passion will cause you to live on purpose. By design, we just came off of the conference, by design, not by default. A lot of us, when your clock goes out, when the you have a thunderstorm that, you know, comes through the neighborhood and, and it, you know, lightning hits or the thunderstorms are very, very intense, a lot of times your power will go out and what happens, default mode comes on on your clocks. And it goes back to the original setting at 12 o'clock. We don't want to live by default. We want to live by design. Every believer should be infused with passion. And your accomplishments in life are normally in direct proportion to the passion that you bring to the table to fulfill what God has called you to do. Passion keeps you from being mediocre. Mediocre is average. How many of you want to live an average life? Good, nobody. So everybody wants to live on passion, and they want to live an extraordinary life. But it's the passion of the purpose of what God has called you to do. 
It's the passion that you bring. Passion and vision need to go hand in hand. Vision disciplines your passion and passion fuels the vision. Vision will discipline your passion and passion will fuel your vision. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to affect these four years. We understand as Jesus was passionate about what God called him to do until the day he was taken by God, we need to be passionate through the anointing of the Spirit to do what God has called us to do until the day we, uh, he takes us away. You understand, I said, what are you doing for the next 30 years? That makes you stop and think, am I on the right track? And self-examination is always good. When I used to work for Walmart, They have an inventory system. Every time you purchase an item at Walmart, they scan it. It lets them know there's one less of that product on in their inventory. Therefore, they can order more product to get on the shelf so that when you go to Walmart, guess what? That product's available for you. It's called inventory. And when I make a statement or anybody else makes a statement, what are you doing for the next 30 years? It makes you take an inventory. Am I on the right track? Am I wasting time? Am I on path? Can I speed up a little bit? Do I have enough passion in my life? Do I have the anointing in my life to do what God has called me to do? Am I in his assignment or am I doing my own thing? Am I following his commands or am I following my own flesh? So these are examinations and inventory we need to take uh, take track of regularly. David, the great king David, said, I examine me, O Lord. Search me. Is there anything in me that I need to adjust? As we shared on Friday night for the men that like football, if you don't like football, you like hunting. If you don't like hunting, you like NASCAR. If you don't like NASCAR, you like fixing something. If you don't like fixing something, you like breaking something. <laughs> right? It's called dominion. God's put in a man to want to do something. That's why little boys are climbing, climbing trees and the girls are playing with Barbies. Right? <laughs> but I lost my train of thought there on Friday night. Football adjustments. Thank you. Um, for those of you who do like football, some of the greatest uh, teams that have a winning records are those that make the right adjustments during the game. You know, they'll see the offense doing certain sets or certain characteristics, and they'll make those changes throughout the game. And those adjustments give them the winning edge. Same thing as you walk with God. Those adjustments that the Holy Spirit tells you to do. When you make those little adjustments, it gives you the winning edge in life. It gives you the winning edge to go out and really be passionate about what God has called you to do and really give hope to this community. Hope is confident expectation for favorable change. In Proverbs, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's why a lot of people in the United States are sick, depressed, broke down on medication because they have no hope. And like I said, your passion will bring hope to this community. Now, back to these four areas, Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem is your home. And any time that the work of the Lord starts, it's always going to be in your house. Notice he didn't reverse the pattern. I believe that everything that the Bible says inspired by the Holy Spirit, there's a sequence to how he says things. He didn't say, I'm going to have you start in the uttermost parts of the earth, then come to Samaria, then go to Judea, then come to Jerusalem. He said, no, it's going to start like a a pebble or a rock that hits the lake and starts to spread out. The greatest impact you're going to have immediately in your walk with the Lord is in your home. He said, this is going to start in Jerusalem. Then it's go to Judea, which obviously Judea or Judah was related to Israel. These are your second, your third, your fourth cousins that you haven't seen for a while, that you only see maybe every 10 years at a family reunion, right? 
But I really picture Judea as the community. Being over. Then you're going to go to Samaria. And the Samaritans, we find in John chapter 4 that the Samaritans did not have dealings with the Jewish people. They didn't look favorably at those people. Who do you not like? Now, don't say any names out loud. Who's a co-worker? (laughs) Who's somebody, you know, uh, Travis, as we go to the gym, you know, some people at the gym, you know, I'm there on purpose when I go to the gym. And I know if I get in conversation with this person, it's going to take 20 minutes. So they become my Samaritans at the gym. I said, I'm going to, you'll be my, I'll get with you after. I'm here for a purpose. But those people that you avoid, who are those people that you avoid? We all have them. Here comes so-and-so. You may be in Walmart heading somewhere with your buggy, and all of a sudden you see somebody, and, oh, I hope they didn't see me. Those are your Samaritan people, right? Because you know you don't want to get conversation. You don't really want to talk to them. But God is calling you to reach them. And then he just says an, an emphatic statement. You're, this message is to get out to everyone. Luke says it this way. As we're called to ignite this city, impact the nation, influence the world. He said in the gospel, Luke, he said, um, actually it was Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Luke has the, the uh, synoptic gospel, says the same thing in a little bit different way. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. We are called to impact the nations. And that word nations where we get the, the word ethnic, ethnic or ethnic groups from every tribe, every color, every person on the face of the planet. We are to go and make, go and make. Jesus began to do and to teach, to do. and to, We are to go and to make. We are called to be fishers of men. We are to go into every tribe, every village, every person. Uh, I don't care if you're high class, low class, middle class. We are to reach everyone with the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then he makes a statement in Mark chapter 16. He says, I want you to go influence the world, the cosmos, the systems of society, the arrangements of society. And we need to be passionate about these things. There are really seven sectors in society. When we think about the world, the arrangement, the systems of things, according to Mark, the gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter, Really, society could be summed up in seven uh, subjects. Arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and what, you know, the world would call religion, what we call Christianity, obviously. But I'm just talking to societies in whole, broken down into these seven things. Arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and religion. So you're to go to all the nations. You're going to all the systems. We need, listen, we need, let me put it this way, God needs a willing vessel that's passionate, anointed with the Holy Spirit to go out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world and impact nations and impact systems. That means if you're in the education field, you are a sign there. And every, t- every day you go to cl- a classroom, you have an opportunity to be salt and light. He said, I want you to go in the world. In the world are nations. You carry the gospel on the inside of you. When Travis, when he goes to the gym, there are nations of people. That's a system within society, really, under the sports category. 
that you get to go and you get to impact every day. He's called us to go out and to do this. We carry the the, through the anointing, through the passion we bring up until the day that we're taken away, we need to be people that are driven to do the will of God in the earth. So Samaritans, back to them, those are people you don't like, don't really want to hang around, but we still need to go to them. And you know what? Your Samaritans can really become uh, close people to you. Christianity does not try to take somebody's life. It tries to take their heart. And those people that may have talked about you, cursed you, got the promotion over you, tried to divide the marriage. Those people are the same people when you can infiltrate their life with the gospel of the kingdom. Those same people, the Lord takes over the heart of mankind. And all of a sudden, those that were against you become for you. And that's how this gospel spreads. God wants to take over the territory of the heart and truly be Lord over people's lives. So we see those four areas. We understand it takes passion and it takes the anointing to really impact those four areas. I want to, you know, just leave you. I'll start to close. Because we need to be people of our word. So, you know, closing can take 15 to 20 minutes. So I'll give you my word. I won't go any longer than 20 minutes because on Friday night at 817, I said I was getting ready to close at 837. I said, this is my second closing. And then at about 8.59, I said, we are done. (laughs) But I genuinely want God uh, to impart his will to you this morning through the truth from his word. And you to to leave really really changed, really fired up uh, for what he's got you called to do in this city. Because we are genuinely excited, Pastor Oren Marcy, excited about the, the work that's taking place. Uh, to see 10 men on Friday night, to see all the couples that were present yesterday, it's just exciting. It is very, very, very exciting and very, very encouraging. And I know the best is yet to come. Amen. But let's, uh, as we begin to close, let's look at Jerusalem a little bit closer. Because this is really your home. And how is your home life? You know, how are you doing in that arena? That's really the first mission field we want to focus on when it comes to vision. Because if home's not right then anything else isn't going to be operating. We know that there's a, a standard in the Word of God for those that are called to the fivefold ministry. If you can't take care of your house, then you're worse than an unbeliever. So God puts a great demand and a great uh, precedent on taking care of the house. And guess what? If God ordained it, then he blessed it, then it could be done the way he expects it to be done. And, it, it, you know, it really doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've experienced, any difficult times that you've come through. God is still God. He can resurrect dead things. Any relationships that have been dilapidated, any relationships that have been pulled down, tugged on, trying to be pulled apart, you need to go ahead and take your today's the day to take the stand and say, I'm not looking back. I'm passionate until the day the Lord comes. I'm going to fight for this thing. I'm going to fight for this thing. I will fight for this thing. I'm going to have pit bull mentality. I'm going to clamp down on it. I will not let go. I'm going to operate in the love of God. I'm going to operate in the passion of God. I'm going to operate in the anointing of God. I'm going to get a plan. A lot of times God pe- people think that God's like a genie. That, you know, you're just going to rub him. He's going to come out. Lord, fix my marriage. And poof. Everything's okay. No, listen, your marriage, if it's in shambles, didn't get that way overnight. 
And you look from Genesis to Revelations, any time that there was a problem in the earth, God always looked for mankind to be a solver of that problem. He always gave mankind wisdom for a plan. God's going to give you wisdom for a plan when it comes to a marriage that's good that needs to get better. When it comes to a marriage that's broken that needs to get fixed, God's going to give you wisdom when you wholeheartedly seek after him and you say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I don't need, I, oh, we don't need, I don't need to listen to people on TV. I don't need to read magazines that are secular. I don't need to go to somebody who's had three or four marriages that were already broken give me advice on how to fix my marriage. The Bible says if the blind lead the blind, we all fall in the toilet, the ditch. Right? No, I want to get around somebody who's getting it right and say, hey, can I, can I just rub elbows with you a little bit? Can you tell me a little bit about how to do this? And that person, they're going to give all the glory to God. They're going to say, you got to stick to the word. Here's some things that I did. Love keeps no account of a suffered wrong. So every night, I don't care what the spouse or the children are saying to you. I'm going to go ahead and operate in forgiveness. I'm going to do what the word says. There is a testimony of a missionary that in their denomination, they knew, they knew, they knew that divorce, man, it would, it would completely uh, just bring them out of the mission field because there was, and it's a good standard, you know, divorce was like death. You cannot do it in this particular domination. And it's a great standard. God hates divorce. He hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people, but he doesn't like divorce. He likes the commitment. Now, we understand. I don't have time to teach about it. Things happen. There's There's got to be a will on one side and the other. We understand if there's abuse in the home, man, that person's not doing their part. And you got to be careful, men. Because women are out there watching MMA. So abuse can go both ways. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> you better watch out. <laughs> it's like the man that went to the men's meeting. He went home, told his wife excitedly. He said, honey, I'm taking the lead. I'm ready to take charge in this thing and to do my role. And then he didn't see her for a few days. And as the swelling started to go down from his eyes, he finally started to see her again. It reminds me of the other man. He went home with much of the same attitude, the same passion, the same anointing. And he said, I said that all to my wife. I'm taking the lead. And it brought her to her knees. And she was looking under the bed and said, come out and fight like a man. All right. So you got to be careful. Abuse could go both ways, right? <laughs> but the point of it is this. God called it to be a functional relationship, and home is very important. And I know as Pastor Mark's casting vision for this month, Reverend Randy was up here talking about finances. And you understand it takes money to pipe the gospel. It takes money to put the AC into this building so we're not sweating. Thank God you realize that there's people that are coming together today that don't have the ability to take their Bibles out because they could be martyred. They're meeting in secret. I mean, we need to remind ourselves, we obviously probably, and those that are following the news, you understand that people are being beheaded because of their faith. It makes you stop and think, thank God we live in a society, even though there's persecution happening, that we can come, we can collect upon the same place. So I know Reverend Randy covered vision last week. I'm hitting the home this week. Pastor Mark's going to have phenomenal vision casting for the rest of August. You want to be a part of what God's called you to do. But the house, the home, it can operate because God called it. He ordained it to operate. So what what wisdom do you know? James 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. 
let him ask of God. He's going to give you a plan. He's going to start saying, like he said in Revelations, go back to your first love. There's a plan in that. If there was a broken marriage, go back to dating again. Say, listen, I'm going to be the guy. And you may have fun with this. And even if your marriage isn't broken, if it just needs to get to a higher level, because you realize my wife and I look at each other and we say, man, it's been good. But we realize that it's going to even get better. You realize that you could look at your wife and say, listen, I'm, it's Saturday morning. It's about noon. I'm going to go out for a while. I'll be back at 6 o'clock to pick you up. And she's like, all right. But see, you, men, you need to learn how to plan. You just don't want to say, hey, let's go out on Friday night. I know Pastor Mark surprised his wife a few weeks ago. He planned. And part of the blessing is in the, is in the, uh, in the effort of planning. You don't want to get in the car and say, hey, we're having a date. Good, where are we going? I don't know. Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Fifteen minutes later, you're sitting under the golden arches. Right? No, you've got to have a plan. So... Hey, I'm leaving at noon. There's a little bit of secrecy to it. You know, I'll be back at 6. And men, we need to learn to honor our word. When you say you're going to do something, do it. When you say you're going to do something, do it. God watches over his word to perform it. We're made in his image. So when we give our word, we need to watch over our word to perform it. We need to make it come to pass. And more men get in trouble for their intentions and not falling through with actions. We judge ourselves a lot of times on what we intend to do and not actually actually what we do do. Do do. That sounded weird, didn't it? I don't know how you sign that one, right? Do do. Action. She knows what I'm saying. Get get everything in context over there, Alyssa. All right. But you come and what did you do when you dated? You Come on, man. You got the car clean, all the McDonald cups out, all the wrappers. You probably sprayed some good cherry stuff in there or whatever your scent is, you know, because I'm going to, I'm going to, and you open the door, right? No, 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 don't touch that. Let me get that for you. You get that door, you shut it, you know, you got the little, I don't know what you like, but you got the little music playing in the background, you know, just, just low enough so you can still have conversation. Right? You take her out to a restaurant. You actually pull the chair out, push it in. Right? You talk. Y'all remember this, right? Hopefully we're all still doing this. And you talk and you talk. Matter of fact, after you drop her off when you were dating at the house, guess what? You called her on the phone afterwards. Right? And you talked to her until you fell asleep with the phone in your hand. You still there? Yeah, yeah. You fell asleep is what happened, you know. But I'm saying that's that's the passion. That is the first mission field. That is Jerusalem. We've got to take care of that. How is the parenting going? What kind of books have you read recently? Christian books. What have you found in the Bible about parenting? The Bible says a study to show yourself. It doesn't say to study to show Pastor Mark approved. This man studies 
we need to make sure we're putting an effort and a diligence in studying the Word of God ourselves. In Proverbs, great wisdom literature, there's a lot to be said about parenting. Are we lining up with the way that God told us to parent? Are we truly training our children up in the way they should go? Jerusalem. The Bible says, honor your father and mother. And you will live long and you will live well. This is generations, you know, we're talking about our marriage, we're talking about our parents, we're talking about our kids. How do you honor your father and mother? What if you feel like your father and mother are not worthy of honor? We listen to the commandment of the Lord. There's there's one person I know that uh, their father was an alcoholic growing up, got born again, forgave them, and just through staying in touch, praying for them, Showing them the love of Christ. Eventually their dad got one to the Lord. They went out into the nations through perseverance, through prayer, through persistency, and got their dad born again. And now their relationship is healed and it's whole. Back to the missionary that I was telling you about. Him and his wife are having a great struggle. They have a little kid. They're on foreign soil, you know, and, and it's just things are getting worse and worse and worse. And, and wisdom for a plan. He's praying in the middle of the night. Say, God, I really don't want this divorce. Things are just horrible. I could feel the distance, the great gulf, you know, when you're in bed with your spouse and there's arguments, there's frustrations. I mean, it feels like there's a huge wall between you two, even though you're in a bed that will keep you really close. You know, it's like the toes will not touch at night because we're so angry at one another. But he's praying, Lord, I really, and the Lord woke him up and he said, you need to serve your wife. And see, men, I wholeheartedly believe it starts with us in the home to make the change. Then everything else will start getting alignment. And he said, you need to serve your wife. Excuse me. Can I get... So, thank you. We've got two people. Thank you, Chuck. Um, so instead of acting like he was sleeping when the baby was crying, the Lord said, get up, get the baby, and feed the baby. So this man did this. And guess what? Not the next day everything was just rosy and cheerful and everything was back to normal. No, over a process of weeks and months, he just he didn't say, hey, do you know what? I Look at me. Look what I'm doing for you. No, he didn't have that attitude. He just continued to serve her in different ways. As the Holy Spirit, we need to be passionate because the anointing will give us a plan. We need to be passionate about what God's called us to do until the day that he takes us out of this earth. And he, he just continued to serve her. And all of a sudden, he noticed she started being more kind to him. Things started to open up. Forgiveness started to happen. And you know what the end of that story was? Restoration took place. God is a God that wants you to repent, change your mind, change your will, change your actions, so you can be reconciled, which means I'm going to cancel your debt. The blood of Christ can cover anything when you call in the name of the Lord, it can wash away all of your sins and all of your weights. And he said, I'm going to restore you. Restoration is to take something, make it better than what it was before. And so the, the testimony in that story was that marriage was better than it ever was before because he learned how to serve her. And that goes both ways. Husbands and wives. If your wife, if your wife you could serve your husband. That's why I like the Bible, because it gives the husband side of what to do, and it also gives the wives 
side of what to do if you want to win them over. And it says conversation. It says, wives, let your conversation. Now, that doesn't mean talking. When you look up that in the Greek, it means your manner of life, the way you are, the grace upon your life. It doesn't mean beating your husband over with a bunch of words. You need to go to church. He does need to go to church. I'm going to close with Colossians chapter 3. Our first mission field needs to be Jerusalem. And I wholeheartedly believe and I'm convicted and convinced as the man gets into place, then the woman can come to alignment, then the kids will be in alignment, uh, we'll, we'll reach out to parents. I believe there's going to be great growth in this church uh, because homes are put into place, and I believe that neighbors and co-workers are going to start seeing, seeing you smile and be full of joy. Because you know it's, it's hard to be full of joy when it's hard at home. <laughs> Eventually that's going to manifest. I want everybody looking straight ahead. I don't know how many married couples I have in here, but I could tell what's going on at home by looking at the wife. Okay, that's the mirror. <laughs> Everybody looking down. I'm looking to left or right. If the if the wife has a smile and she's good, then that tells me a lot of times that the man's doing his role. Everybody doing all right? Okay. Now don't be going up. All of us have tough days, and just because a wife may look like she's going through something, doesn't mean the man's out of place. My wife just shared with the ladies on Friday night, you know, God told her she's going to go through a pruning time. And pruning time is not easy time. But it wasn't because I was treating her bad. So that's, you know, there's exceptions to the rule. Okay. So going over to the book of Colossians, all right. I like the book of Colossians because it really outlines uh, some particulars with the Jerusalem outreach that I'm talking about. And remember, this is just the start. We are called to go into the nations, go into the systems, and really this ministry is going to uh, affect and impact Valdosta and beyond. It's going to affect Walmart. It's going to affect Cheddar's. It's going to affect the gyms. Why? Because you're, you're representation and ambassador of Christ to go out in these different places, win people, bridge them in so we can have steady growth within and powerful witness without in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 14, the word says this, Above all these things, above everything else in life, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And that word perfectness is fully complete, fully furnished. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called into one body. Thank God we're all together, like Acts says, we're all together in agreement. And be you thankful, we're joined together, assembled together. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching... And admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And I like this because this is what I call the sandwich verse. Because he, he starts off this in verse number 17 and verse number 3. He sort of puts it all together with saying the same thing. Whatever you do in word or deed, 
Remember, Jesus began to do and to teach. We're to go and to make disciples, whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you say, whatever you act on. And it takes a combination to gain credibility. You just can't say something and not do it. You can't just do something and not say it. It takes things working together in life for credibility. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Then it goes on to define the husband and the wife for a wife. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be bitter against them. Goes on to talk about the children. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Goes back to fathers. Says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Then it goes on to employee and employer relationships. Servants. That's an employee. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service. As men pleases, but in singleness of heart, of fearing the Lord... And then he goes, verse number 23, whatever you do, he says it once again, do it heartily, do it with passion. Be contagious as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Last verse, because it's been exactly 20 minutes and I'm closing. Masters, give unto your servants, chapter 4, verse 1, give unto your servants that which is just and equal knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So it talks about if you are an employer, how to treat your employees. But what a beautiful uh, picture to close with. You can do this. You can reach this community through your home, your house, being in right alignment. It's going to start there and it will spread. And other people will be added to this work. And this work will grow. And this community is going to never be the same. It's going to be impacted because we are passionate and the Holy Spirit is within us. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning, Lord. It's alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, Father. And I thank you, Lord. And I just believe right now, Father, I believe. Hallelujah. I believe, Father. For any, for any homes that are struggling, for any homes that need to go to another level in you, Father, I thank you right now. And I just pray over this body, Father. I thank you for wisdom, God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 7, you said wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all you're getting, get understanding. Hallelujah. If you would do this, just I see some people grabbing hands, whether you're married or not, there's somebody beside you. Why don't you just grab their hand and, and let's just be united. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for the blood of Christ that washes me and has cleansed me. And now, Father... I commit to be led by the Spirit and to be passionate about for, after what you've called me to do. And now, Father God, I thank you for wisdom, for a plan to make an impact in my home. And I believe 
because of the impact, it's going to reach others with the good news of the kingdom of God. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. What a powerful word. Amen.